Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. Please remain standing. Jeremiah 20, verse 7. O Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out, I shouted violence and plunder. Because of the, Lord, the word of the Lord was made to me, a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart, like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Say amen at the reading of God's word. You may be seated. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. The poetry of what he is sharing with us is immense. There there are so many parallel symbolisms being played out in this passage of Scripture. I'm drawn to this particular passage because I believe where Jeremiah was preaching and to the group of people to whom he was preaching is very similar to the culture in which we live today. He was preaching in the final stages of a nation under judgment. He was declaring to them that God was judging their nation because of the sins they had allowed into their culture. And they didn't want to hear it. Had no desire to hear the word of God. The word of God was a joke. It was old-fashioned. And they had a better plan. They rejected the word of God. And in so doing, they rejected Jeremiah. Jeremiah's words were simple. God is going to judge us because of the sins that are against us. But he will preserve your life if you will obey him now. Surrender to the invading king. Submit to this judgment of the Lord. And God will restore this nation. They again rejected mercy. They not only rejected the confrontation over sin, they rejected mercy from their disobedience. They didn't want to hear anything about what they were doing being wrong. And I thought to myself, that's exactly where we are now. If you don't believe me, go onto a college campus and preach against any sin you can name. Just start talking about sin. And you'll be labeled as hate speech. Somebody talk to him. I remember hearing that Dr. Khan at Lee University actually got up and made the statement that God decides whether or not you're a boy or a girl. That's not your decision. It's his. You'd think he was the Antichrist. We've gotten to the place where truth is hated and lies are appreciated. We celebrate deceit. It's it's as if we call evil good and good evil. 
Don't you dare tell somebody that what they're doing is wrong. That's not what the church is for. The church is designed to be a motivational speech. You're supposed to make me feel better. That's the purpose of the gathering. This is a book to lead you toward self-esteem. Right? And so the purpose of the assembly is so that we can be affirmed and feel appreciated and motivated to be a better form of whatever we choose to be. That it's God's job to stand on the sidelines of our life and applaud us for the choices that we make personally. I've actually had people explain to me that the book of Revelation is not meant to scare anybody. I've had well-intended theologians come to me and say, you've read the book of Revelation wrong. There are so many good things. It's poetry, the, the hope, the beauty, the majesty of the book of Revelation should not cause you to be alarmed. He's not trying to scare us. You're reading the book wrong. Well, I've read it. It's terrifying. I'm not sure how you can read that bowls of wrath are being poured out, that different judgments of God are being levied against the culture and somehow escaped the idea that we serve a dangerous God. Mark Twain confronted with a question one time. They said to him, does the parts of the Bible that you don't understand cause you problems? He says, no. Parts of the Bible that I don't understand never cause me problems. It's the parts that I do understand that cause me so much trouble. Let me tell you something. Maybe you are the smartest person in the room. Maybe your cell phone is more interesting than any preacher that could ever challenge your thought life. Maybe your friends are the coolest friends that anybody could ever hope to have. Maybe you're just beyond the confrontation of the word. But in this house, we still love the word of God. In this house, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In this house... We believe that the, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. We celebrate that the Word came into our life and it healed us. His Word is precious. His Word is true. And if it destroys my opinion of myself, then so be it. I would rather have the Word than the exalted emotional opinion that I have about myself on a highway to hell. I'm not here to help people feel better as they serve the devil. I am in this house to point you toward the cross and to tell you there's a better way. There's a road to salvation. There's a road that leads to where God abides and it's called the highway of holiness. And you have to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. You can't talk like they talk. Honey, you're going to face God one day. And he's not going to look like your favorite politician. 
He's not going to act like your BFF. He's not going to be that person who tries to let you get away with. He is God and you are not. And when you stand before God, he will not judge you by American culture. He will not judge you by pop culture songs. He will not judge you based on what your friends say or the compassion that's in your heart. He will judge you by the plumb line of the word of God from everlasting to everlasting. This stands as the truth and you may hate it enough to crucify it. You may despise it enough to throw it out. But in this house, we do not lampoon Christ. We don't make fun of his word. We lift up the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ and we declare I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. I will be what God called me to be. Hallelujah. Well, they threw Jeremiah in a well, threw mud at him, made fun of him. Actually, before he wrote these words, he was actually in the public stockade. They had taken him into the public square, locked him in chains, and made a public spectacle of him. He was just a few moments removed from public humiliation. They hated him. Despised every word that came from his mouth. They could not fathom any more hatred in their heart. I have found that in this culture, the people who pretend to be the most loving are the most judgmental and full of hate. Just vicious, ungracious, intolerant. Will not listen to anything but what they think. And that's exactly what they were doing with Jeremiah. You know what Jeremiah said? I quit. I'm done. But you induced me. Used a pregnant term. You impregnated me with word. You induced me. I'm over it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it anymore. Problem is, when you're pregnant, and that baby's coming, you protest all you want. I remember when we were scheduled to be induced. And we were sleeping that night, and I was awakened by my wife just after midnight. She said, I think it's time. So I start practicing my Lamaze class. (laughs) I said, how far apart are your contractions? And when I said that, she doubled over into the floor. She said, about five minutes. I said, honey, that's not five minutes. I still have claw marks in my knee where my wife was giving birth in the car. We were, we were in the throes of labor before we got to the hospital. Fortunately, the doctors slowed everything down and we, we, we were fine. I keep saying we as if I had anything to do with it. She did great. I was drinking the epidural juice. I was, <laughs> I'm not numb yet, doc. <laughs> But when that baby's coming, you can try to stop it all you want. You're going to be what God designed you to be. You should have never gotten pregnant. 
if you weren't going to give birth to what God put inside of you. You may try and stop it. You may try and hold it back. But I promise you, you'd been better off to have never known the way than to know the way and depart from it. Somebody talk to me. Anybody ever tried to quit? I'm not talking to some of you who aren't really ever fully started. I'm talking about... <laughs> I'm trying to explain this without getting too offensive here, but for those of you who've had an experience with God and you have a praying mama, usually takes a couple of things to make this work just right for this illustration to matter. Anybody been raised right with a praying mama, had an experience with God, and tried to walk away from God? Just when you get finished walking away he's there you open up the door of disobedience God waiting on you that's where I found that David wrote that passage in less poetic terms than the way we read it if I ascend to the mountains he is there if I make my bed in hell he is there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there he will find me no if I go to the mountains he's there if I make my bed in hell, he's there. If I take a Delta flight to the other side of the world, when I get off the plane, the Holy Ghost finds me, chases me. People talk about how hard it is to go to heaven. No, no, it would be hard work for me to go to hell. I'd have to overcome all of your prayers, all of her prayers, all of my mom and dad's prayers, it would be hard work. The Holy Ghost be getting a hold of me. I'd be trying to run. There'd be nowhere to go. God's love is relentless. You keep acting like witchcraft is so powerful. Oh, don't get them babies around witchcraft. And don't. But somebody will say, oh, that child, they had witchcraft. That Somebody put a curse on them. They're, they're going to be that way the rest of their life. This curse has happened and they're never going to recover. Let me tell you something. What we put on our babies around here is stronger than witchcraft. Yeah, we're going to put a hook in their jaw. We pray in blessings over their life. We pray in the power of the Holy Ghost over their life. We're asking God to touch them, deliver them, raise them up. Anybody ever had a baby wander from God, but thanks be unto God, it brought them all the way back. Where's my brother at? Come on, Scott, wave at me. Stand up. I want everybody to see you. This is my brother. He's a minister of the gospel. He travels the world as a missionary. God uses him. My cousin Bud's right here. You remember, there was a day when the devil got him once. <laughs> it's an inside joke on that statement. But God brought him back. Why? What, what God put on him was greater than what the devil tried to do to him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is of the world. Listen to me. If you didn't want to be chased the rest of your life, you came to the wrong church. 
because we're going to pray something on you today. We're going to ask the Holy Ghost to get a hold of you. I don't care how mature you get, how grown you get, how much money you have. I don't care how many friends you have. I'm asking God to slam every door in your face. I'm asking God to shut down every highway to hell. And I'm asking God to be relentless in his pursuit until you come to the altars of God's repentance and be what God has called you to be. I know he hears me when I pray. Jesse Duplantis tells a funny story. Please forgive me. I'm going to tell it just like Jesse told it. So if you want to complain, please send your email to jessieduplantis.com. He tells a story when he was running from God, had a praying mama in a rock and roll band playing in a bar in Texas. After the concert was over, his drummer said, hey, I know a place down there in Mexico where the girls will dance for us and we can drink some tequilas. We'll have a party till late in the night. Want to go? Oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. So they loaded up. They went across the border into Mexico, used their stage names. I'm Thunder. This is rock and roll. Didn't tell anybody their name. Sitting in there, drinking those tequilas, partying like it was 1999. Looked over there and the bartender's holding a phone over his head. Jesse Duplantis? Jesse Duplantis? Dude, he's using your real name. It's your mother. Whole place falls quiet. Forgive me. This happened. I see you in there dancing with all them sluts. You better get out of that bar. I'm praying for you. Devil's going to take you out tonight. He'll kill you. You got a call on your life. I'm praying for you. You better get back home. You better serve the Lord. Drummer over there beside him. Dude, what did she say? Said, I'm going to die. Said, I better get out of here. The Holy Spirit said, I'm called to preach and I'm going to. What do you think we need to do? think we need to jet, man. We got to go. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Tell you something. Thanks be unto God. He doesn't give up on us. Thanks be unto God. He won't take no for an answer. If you want to go to hell, you'll have to fight him every inch of the way. God loves you enough to put a preacher in your life. He loves you enough to put a mama praying for you in your life. He loves you enough to put the right friends in your way. I promise you, God has a plan. You can say, I quit, but God's already induced you. He's already impregnated you. The word's already in your mind. You can't help but saying his name. You can't help but believe that God has is somewhere out there peeking through through the lattice and you know that he sees the path you take and you know that God is somehow he's on your side there comes a moment in your life when you have to make sure that you don't keep slamming doors in God's face perpetually telling him how you're going to live and what you're going to believe and what you're going to say when you don't have one Bible to support it. You're playing a game, honey, you can't win. And you don't know where your car is going to end up tonight. And where would you be if you stood before God before nightfall? I tried to quit. I tried to walk away. 
I told myself I would remain silent. But I couldn't. Because it was like flames of fire. Shut up in my bones. Literally, tongues of fire replacing the marrow of his bones like liquid lava flowing throughout his system. He was saying, I became a volcano. And the word of God erupted from me. And for those of you who are in this church and you say, I don't understand why you worship the way you worship. We can't help ourselves. It's like fire. Shut up in our bones. We can't help but speak of the things that we've seen and heard. When God's glory comes down, our hands go up. When his power walks through, our hearts become stirred. We say like the disciples, did not our hearts burn within us as we heard the word of God and the power of God begins to flow through our lives. Got to tell somebody. Reminds me of quantum entanglement. I hope you've studied quantum entanglement. It is on every single list that you can Google. If you Google the phrase, top mysteries of astrophysics, ask your mother how to spell it. Top mysteries of astrophysics, facing science, whatever. It will always be among the top five on every list. They know what it is. They can reproduce it. They have no idea how it works. Particles can become entangled on a quantum level. I would love to describe at least my elementary understanding of how they can reproduce this. They zap decaying atoms with photons and extract electrons, and it's a cool process where they have quantum entangled particles. There are naturally occurring quantum entangled particles, and the theory is at one time all particles seem to be quantum entangled. And as time has progressed, it becomes less evident. Quantum entanglement, the end result, I don't want to bore you. Obviously, not many of you are overly interested in this. <laughs> but when you move one particle, the other one moves. When you manipulate this particle, the other particle responds immediately. When you separate those two particles by great distance and you manipulate one particle, the speed with which the other responds to the manipulation is faster than the speed of light. These particles violate every known law of space, time, and distance. They cannot fathom how particles can become so entwined that even when separated by a great distance are not aware that they're separate from one another. They are entangled. They were so spooked by this. As a matter of fact, that word first came out by Albert Einstein who called quantum entanglement spooky interaction at a distance. They started trying to test quantum entangled particles and they found themselves nervous 
in their study because they had to answer a question that was addressed by the Bell experiment in the 1960s. One of the questions that remained unanswered is the scientist, is that scientist free from outside influence or are they themselves quantum entangled? There is a test called the Bell test or the Bell experiment. Go home, Google it. That basically uses old starlight to determine whether or not the person doing the testing is quantum entangled with forces they cannot explain. It has become evident to the scientific mind that just maybe the Apostle Paul was right, that you are a slave to whom you choose to obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness, that you can be entangled with forces beyond your control. You can be quantum entangled. The good news is, I believe that when you get saved, that salvation is not just a spiritual emotion. I believe you are changed in the basic essence of who you are. I believe that when you get saved and you ask Jesus to come into your heart, I believe that you become quantum entangled with the God particles of glory. I believe that heaven becomes real inside of your heart. And I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the highest expression of the quantum entanglement evidence of Christian living. I believe that when you become baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, when you hear a sound as of a rushing mighty wind and cloven tongues of fire sit down on each of you and it becomes like fire shut up in your bones that heaven starts to move and you move. When he speaks, you speak. When he has authority, you can't help yourself. When the glory of God comes into the sanctuary, my hands are entangled with the divine. My heart beats to the glory of God. My thoughts are raptured into the presence of heaven. My eyes can see the glory of the coming of the Lord. I can stand on the top of the mountain and I can see a cloud the size of a man's hand. I can hear the abundance of rain coming. Why? I have ears that look beyond my circumstance and can hear over into the divine. I have something connecting me. But the good news is it's working in reverse as well. Not only am I allowed the privilege of, of being quantum entangled to him. He quantum entangles right back with me. Sure does. 2,000 years ago, he entangled himself with my sins. Matter of fact, he took all of my sins and made them his. All of them. He took all of my sins, all of my shame, all of my failures, and he put them on himself. He carried my sorrows. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was on him. 
by his stripes, I was healed. I'm a quantum entangled particle. When he died, I lived. When I accept that, oh, thank you, Jesus. But see, the cool part is, not only did he quantum entangle with me in that way, so that what he wants becomes evident in my mouth, my mind, my thoughts, works in reverse. When Jesus said, all power, I give you the same spirit that raises me from the dead will live inside of you so that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Greater is he that is in you than he that is of the world. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I don't just come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but by power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. We're entangled with the divine. I remember being in high school. And there were some cool guys in a class making fun of me for being a Christian. I really wanted to fit in. He looked at me and he said, Satan rules, Satan's king, Satan sits on the throne. And they all started laughing at me. And I hung my head, but then it was like fire. <laughs> Shut up in my bones. I said, hold on, you haven't heard yet. He said, heard what? I said, 2,000 years ago, your God got stomped all up and down a hill called Calvary when Jesus carried the cross and then rose from the dead. And one day the ultimate's going to happen. The archangel Michael is going to stick his foot on the back of your God's head. And he'll ask him who is Lord. And he will utter that unspeakable name of Jesus Christ. Then he's going to take you and all your lip sinking satanic buddies by the seat of the pants. And toss you out in the middle of a lake of fire unless you repent. Jesus rules. Jesus is king. And Jesus sits on the throne. You know, we could try to calm some of these quantum entangled people down. I could go to Marty and say, Marty, don't do anything. You just sit still. He'd blow up. <laughs> you try it. Miss Betty Kane, don't you worry about praying. Don't you do any praying today. Won't work. She can't help herself. She's praying right now. We're entangled with the divine. And even if the world hates it, what else are we going to do? We're children of a king now. He's my father. And if you hate him, then you'll hate me. That's what he said. But it's not going to stop me from letting you know that Jesus died for your sins. He rose from the dead so you wouldn't have to be enslaved. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for you. You don't have to leave here like you came. God has a plan for your life. There's grace beyond measure.
He reaches to the highest mountain. His blood flows to the lowest valley. You haven't committed a sin so shocking that God will walk away from you. Call on his name and he will answer you. Knock and he will open to you. Seek and you will find God has a plan. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. He'll give you rest. He'll give you rest. I want you to stand with me. Pastor Todd, join me. I bless your life. May you be blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Blessed when you rise and when you lay down at night. May he give you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. May he overwhelm you with his power and authority. May he bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you and give you peace. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.